Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. You were made to be a part of something bigger than yourself, something wholesome, something healthy, something life-giving. The Bible talks about it as us being part of a body, the body of Christ. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 12 says, Just as the body is one and yet has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. And he speaks of us being part of this body. The body is not one part, but many. There may be no division in the body, that the parts may, be, may have the same care for one another. You are Christ's body and individually parts of it. God's idea is that as a body has many different cells, organs, systems that work together so beautifully, so amazingly, the human body is just the most incredible feat of engineering. Just as a human body works together in unison, each cell has the same DNA, but a different function. The eye cell works differently to the ear cells, to the hand cells, to all the different parts of the body. He says, Think of that, Christian, and realize you are a part, but you're a part of something bigger. And we are talking about being a part of something bigger for the next few weeks because the devil wants us to be apart from each other. So God wants us to be a part of something bigger. The devil wants us to be apart from each other and apart from God. God has this design in his mind. He created the human body and he said, think about it, my dear children, you are a part of something bigger. Today, I want to talk about the book of Proverbs because it gives us practical advice as to how to develop our friendships and relationships. You know, you can say you're a part of a church or a fellowship or whatever you want to call it. You can say I'm part of something, but the reality of it comes in the relationships, in the love between you and other people, in the way you work together, in the things you do together and the time you spend together. And the book of Proverbs is a practical book of practical wisdom. How do things work in real life? Solomon was the wisest person in the world and he gave his wisdom that he learnt in the book of Proverbs and in the book of Ecclesiastes and the book of Song of Solomon, we see Solomon's wisdom as to how do relationships work. And today I want to just go through a few verses to give us practical tips to strengthen and enrich our relationships, our friendships, not just in church, but also in families, in marriages, in work life. And these are tips for the ages because they are the wisdom that comes from God. Lord, please would you help us as we study the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 27 verse 9 says, Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Amen. Just as, as perfume and ointment are so delightful to our senses, a friend, when they walk in the room, just enriches us and enlivens us. Uh, and their hearty counsel, their genuine counsel. But then he goes on to say, Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend. 
And this next bit is so interesting because of the lockdowns we've all been through. He says, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. You know, through the lockdown, many of us have been separated from our families. We haven't been able to see them. And it's been a neighbor nearby, maybe a church member, maybe the postman. Maybe it's, it's your next door neighbor, whatever it is. He says it's better to have a neighbor nearby than travel far away to see your family. Now, obviously, we would love to have both. But the reality is we can't be traveling all the time to see our family members. But God has put the lonely in families. I was in a small group Bible study when I was a young Christian and we were praying and the Lord just gave me the first prophecy I'd ever been given. Actually, he said, tell someone here, God puts the lonely in families. It's a verse from the Bible. And a young man who was a missionary from America came to me afterwards and he said, that meant so much to me. I've been so far from my family and this group, this Bible study is my family and God was reassuring my heart. And he says that friendships are important. Do not forsake your friendships and find people close by you who you can be close to rather than always longing for a family member far away who you may only see a few times a year. Proverbs 12 verse 26 says the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. And this is another introductory verse about friendship. It says we need to choose our friends carefully because who we associate with affects us. Friend, please hear this. Who we associate with affects us. The people we get close to and we spend most time with and we open our hearts to and we listen to them, it affects us and it can lead us astray. We become like the people we spend most time with. And so we've got to choose our friends carefully. Right, so we've had a foundation laid. Let's look at a few points. I've got five points. The first is be friendly. Proverbs 18, 24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. My dear friend, you need to be a friend. You need to go out of your way to make the first move. You need to give of yourself and step out and be friendly if you want to have friends. You know, many of us are introverted and we want others to make the first move. But the Bible tells us if I want to have friends, I must make the first move. But then it also tells us there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's talking about our relationship with God. Jesus is the ultimate friend. He said no greater love has this than a man lays down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did for you. And so we take this verse and we say, I'm going to be friendly and I'm going to get close to Jesus, the friend who is closer than a brother. It's interesting that he mentions both in one verse because you can have the friendship of God, but you still need humans. You still need other people to be close to you. And the first step is to step out. The, the book of Proverbs talks about giving in order to get to, to make the first move and be generous. In Proverbs 11, 24, it says, There is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself. There's this principle where God says, give and it will be given to you. And when he gives back to us, it's so much more. 
it's so much more. It says he scatters yet it in, yet increases more. Give friendship, give compliments, give smiles, give love, give kindness, give gifts, give time, and it comes back to you. I was at a funeral a few years ago of a man who I thought was a very close friend of mine, and the funeral was packed with people. And during the service, people were shouting out this man's name and saying what a good friend he was. And I realized even though we didn't know all the other people he was friends with, he was giving of his time, his love. He was a carer for people in their homes, and he gave so much that he got so many friends. The opposite of this is somebody who always wants they go into relationships to get their own needs met or looking for what can benefit them. And Proverbs 30, 15 says, The leech has two daughters, give and give. <laughs> the leech has two daughters, give and give. And this is the type of person who is always looking to get something. It says there are three things that are never satisfied, four that never say enough. There's this idea of a person who's always looking for what can meet their needs will not have satisfying friendships but if we give ourselves we do that was point one be friendly point two is to have something shared and in common in ecclesiastes solomon wrote two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor if they fall one will lift up his companion but woe to him who is alone when he falls for he has no one to help him up again if two lie down together they will keep warm but how can one be warm alone Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. This threefold cord is the idea of yourself and another person being interwoven into a cord, a rope, with a third thing or a third person or a third shared common interest. And if it's God, it is the most powerful shared common interest of all. We love to spend time with people who are like us, who like the same things as us, and you need to find some common ground. If you like an activity or a sport or a hobby or something, go to where that is and you will find people who have similar interests to you. But I want to say that in Christ, it is a whole different level of shared common interest. The Bible speaks about us being from every nation, tribe, language and tongue. We are men and women, uh, different nationalities, we are of different interests, different social strata, and yet in Christ we are one because we have that third cord that binds us together. And in Christ you can find commonality. We have the same Father, we have the same Savior, we have the same Holy Spirit within us. We share a love of the Bible and the truths of the Bible. And to find people who are sharing Christ with you is the strongest bond you can have. Now, I'm not saying only spend time with other Christians. We, Jesus spent time with lots of different people, but our closest relationships will be those who share the most intimate and, and precious things to us, and that is Christ. And so we've got to find people who have something shared with us. In marriage, the Bible is clear in the New Testament. We should find somebody who loves Jesus First, you know, there's Jesus at the top, there's me, and there's the person I'm going to marry. And as we get closer to God, we get closer to each other. But a person who doesn't love God, uh, the Bible says you, you shouldn't be yoked together with them. You shouldn't be bound together with them. So find people who have a shared common interest and develop those interests. And for Christians, 
spend time with other believers, even if they're of different ages, different races, different interests to you. In Christ, we are one. Amen. The third thing is the words we use, and this is the biggest one. The, the book of Proverbs has the most to say about the words that we use. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In a relationship, I just want to say to you that the book of Proverbs teaches that your words have the power of death or life in that relationship. You know, you can do things and they have a certain impact. You can give or take or withhold things and they have a certain impact. But the words you say are the most powerful thing in a relationship. You can say a harsh word, a cruel word, a word you regret and you can never take it back. There are words I've said to people I love, especially when I was a youngster in my early years up to my teenage years, that I deeply regret because they hurt people that I loved and I can never take them back. You can say sorry, they can say I forgive you, but those words can never be taken away. And so I encourage you to really think about what the book of Proverbs says about the words that we use. Proverbs 10 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. So the first thing is just to realize that it's sometimes wise to not speak, to wait. Sometimes we speak in anger in the heat of the moment and it's good to just wait and to say less and be careful about the words we are going to say. Now this may be a surprise to you because most talks about relationships say communicate, communicate, communicate. And that is true. But the book of Proverbs says, be careful. Be careful because your words can hurt. Proverbs 19.22 says, What is desired in a man is kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. Kindness and truth, or not lying, are very important. And so as we come into relationships and we think about what we're going to say, think about how can I express kindness? Kindness in my words. Now you may say, I've been... Um, with my brother or sister in my home for the last 30 years, are you still expecting me to be kind and polite to this person or my spouse or my father or my grandmother or whatever it is? Or maybe your work colleague, someone you've known. The Bible says kindness is one of the hallmarks of our speech. In 1 Corinthians 13, it speaks of love and it says love is never rude. And so kindness just saying something nice. You know, I have spoken to many married couples who've struggled and I've suggested to them, if you will just try and say something kind every day, a whole lot of these other problems you're having will go away. And they've come back to me and said, yes, that's true. Kindness and not lying. Sometimes we can be kind and lie and that's not true. That's, that's flattery and the Bible speaks against that. Let me go on to the next verse. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Wholesomeness means not speaking uh, dirty, horrible, unpleasant things. You know, sometimes we can be quite guttural. We can, we can really sink to low levels in our speech. And it says a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. When I start to speak the way God wants me to speak, it starts to produce life in my children, in my spouse, in my friendships, in my work colleagues. Proverbs 16 is similar. Verse 24 says, Pleasant worm words are like a honeycomb, 
sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. And so all of this together, I would summarize by saying, if you speak well, your relationships will flourish. If you speak with kindness, with wholesomeness, with pleasant words, watch how your relationships change. Now, I know there's this thing called banter that especially in the UK, we like to insult people and it's a friendly way of building a relationship. But can I just say, be careful because you may think the other person is laughing with you, but actually inside they may be very painful. And banter is okay, but we've just got to be very careful that the person knows we love them, we value them, we esteem them, we accept them, we're saying they're good and we're building them up. Amen. The next thing about our words is to listen. Proverbs 18 says, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. <laughs> he who answers before he hears, it is folly and shame. And I want to say to you, a tip for building your relationships is learn to listen. You've been given two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you speak and see how your relationships grow. My wife and I have used a technique that we learned from the marriage course from uh, Holy Trinity Brompton. Nikki and Silla Lee used this, this method when you're having a, an intense discussion between a husband and wife. One of you holds an object like a serviette or, or something to show that they are the ones speaking and the other one just listens until they're finished. And then they, they say to them, have I heard you correctly? Did you say this, this and this? And until that person has felt like they've been heard, you don't then respond with your answers. And that is a very, very useful way to build listening in your relationships. Are you getting these tips? They will help your friendships and your relationships. Learn to be a person who listens before you answer. Truth is the next one. Proverbs 27.5 says, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And Proverbs 27 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. There is a place for friends to speak hard words, but in a kind way. We need to speak truth. He says, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know, people have challenged me, people who are my friends. And at the time, I may have responded in uh, anger or, or shock. But thinking back, I realized they love me. That's why they asked me, is that the best way to, to proceed? Is that the best relationship? Is that the best way to go forward? And sometimes to say, no, that wasn't right. My own son has learned to do this as he's grown into an adult. He has learned to rebuke me in a way that is kind and loving. And I love him so much for it because it shows me he loves me enough to say the truth to me. And we need to learn to not always only say kind, nice things. When there is a need to say something that is negative, we need to say it, but in the right way. As iron sharpens iron. Have you ever seen a, a, a knife being sharpened? It comes through friction through something aggressive and, and violent, really, but it causes a sharp blade to come out. And that's what we need from each other. We need the ability to have friends who are going to speak the truth. And in a marriage or a family or any relationship, there needs to be the ability to have the difficult conversations. 
that method that I mentioned where somebody holds the item and says, I'm the one speaking. They speak with love, they speak with humility and kindness, they don't uh, demean the other person, but they say what needs to be said and the other person is only listening and feeding back until they've heard them. That will, just that one trick will transform your relationships. The next one is just the way we speak. Um, a soft answer, Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, there are, are times and there are ways of saying something. My wife is so good at this. She can say something to me that I probably deserve to hear, but she picks the right time and she picks the right way to say it. And I get the message, but she said it in such a way and at such a time that it brings the desired result. A couple of other verses on this. It says, He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. <laughs> you may think you're blessing the person, but if you say it at an inconvenient time or an inconvenient way, it is not helpful. And then Proverbs 27:15, A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. <laughs> if we nag and nag and nag when the person has heard us, it doesn't help. And this doesn't just apply to women. It applies to all of us. But all of these are ways of, of choosing the, the time and the method of saying what you're going to say. Sometimes uh, a meal out, sometimes on a walk, sometimes when a person is not stressed with a whole lot of other things. Uh, the way you approach it, you can say it with kindness. You can use I feel words rather than you did words. So for instance, if I failed to take out the trash at our house, my wife could, when I'm busy and when I'm trying to do something else, she, she could say, I've told you a hundred times, you didn't take out the trash again. Or she could say, I feel like maybe you didn't hear me or I feel like you're not caring about me enough because you didn't take out the trash at a time and a place when I am receptive to hear it. And then lastly, on words is secrets. Proverbs 25 verse 9 says, Debate your case with your neighbor and do not disclose the secret to another, lest he who hears it expose your shame and your reputation be ruined. We need to keep certain things secret. It's not good to air our dirty laundry for the whole world to see. Now I'm all for transparency and being real and authentic, but there are some things that are private between you and your friend, your spouse, your child, uh, and when you embarrass a person, it destroys a relationship. And so I would just encourage you to be careful who you share things with because you can embarrass and dishonor a person who you love. Right, last two. Proverbs 17 verse 7 says, A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. This speaks of being committed to a relationship. You know, if I know that a person is committed to working through a relationship with me, even in the hard times and for the long haul, then that relationship is strong. There's a, a security around that relationship that says this is strong. Be committed and let the person know you're in this for the long haul. You're not going to just give up and run away. There is a commitment and you want to work it through, even in the hard times. A friend loves at all times. And then lastly, the ability to work through offenses and sins and forgive and restore. 
Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. I need to be willing to say, I'm sorry, yes, I've done wrong. In every relationship, offenses will come. Matthew 18, Jesus said, offenses will come. You will offend somebody and the ability to work it through and genuinely say, I am sorry. I did this wrong for these reasons. It must have hurt you in this way. I won't do it again. That is a, a healthy way to move on. There was a movie in the 1960s called Love Story, which said love means never having to say you're sorry. And that is different to what the Bible says. The Bible says love means being willing to say you're sorry. And we need to do that. But then uh, Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression. If you can give forgiveness and not dredge it up again, every argument you have, and say, it is finished, I've cancelled that invoice, you don't owe me anymore, because the love of Jesus has poured into my heart, and he's given me enough love to forgive you as well. He is your judge, I'm not your judge, and I forgive it, and we're moving on. If you can do these five things in relationships, friends, these are the, the, the guidelines from the book of Proverbs to make friendships and relationships strong. We're talking about being part of something. And I want to say to you, if you learn these skills, these friendship skills, these tips for being a good friend and having good friends, it will enrich your life. Let me go through them again. Be friendly. Make the first move. Number two, have a shared or common interest, preferably God. Number three, be careful in the words you use and how you use them. Number four, be committed to the relationship and say, I'm here for the long haul. And number five, learn how to say sorry and to forgive. Lord Jesus, I pray for myself and my friends that you would help us to be part of a bigger thing that involves other people, to have strong friendships, good relationships. And Lord, more than anything, I pray for the person who's listening to me today who doesn't have a friendship with you yet. My friend, if that's you, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me right now. If you want to be a friend of God, say, Dear Lord, I believe in you. I thank you that Jesus came and lived and died for me to forgive my sins. I have sinned and I ask for your forgiveness. And I thank you that you promise you will forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I give my life to you today. Please come and make me your child. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, please let us know. LeadingLightsNetwork.com. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit LeadingLightsNetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at LeadingLightsNetwork.com or LighthouseJersey.com.